two, one. All right, guys. Welcome to Ruda's Rockcast. I'm here for another episode with a guest of mine, Mr. Patrick Daly. Uh, Pat is an entrepreneur. Uh, he's been an entrepreneur his whole life, and he runs a union electrician company. He's an investor as well, and um, I think he's a great person for us to have on here since he kind of embodies everything that we're talking about, which is investing in yourself, investing in your financial future, as well as investing in your health and fitness. Uh, a combination of those things is what's going to make him a great guest. I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation uh, that we're going to bring you here today. So, Pat, thank you for joining on. Yeah, thank you for yeah, let's do it. Um, so, one of the first things I want to talk to you about was, I think it's really cool whenever I speak with another entrepreneur, it's like, when they decided it was time to become an entrepreneur and yeah. do their own thing. So, for you, tell me a little bit, like, what was it that triggered that, and when did you first decide that? Yeah, I think that from a very early age, that I was always into, like, business and entrepreneurship, and something I always knew I was going to do, but I didn't know what I was going to do. Right. And... Um, I was thinking back the other day because I had a lot of time the last couple of weeks to kind of refresh my mind and figure out where I started out and how I got on this journey by talking to people about how I started a business. And um, I remember that me and my younger brother used to play a game called Car Shop. And we used to take Nashbox cars and build car dealerships and sell cars to each other. Off of and right. I'm trying to think about like how that even came about because we were doing this when we were five, six years old, right? So it's not like my parents were like, hey, go play this game. Yeah. At a very early age to be knowing that I could sell stuff or like play a game with my younger brother. Right. And basically run a business within our basement playing toy cars. Like, yeah. From very early on, I was into that. Um, and I was always a car guy too. So when I got out of high school, I started teaching on cars on the side. And I was always staying busy. I was working after work. Always had side things going. And I was always very like entrepreneurial spirited. Yeah, trying try to make a profit where you can. Yeah, just do anything I could to make money and just keep pushing forward. And like I said, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I was going to do something. Awesome. But yeah, I think that's really cool. I think a lot of entrepreneurs like find that they're always, they really love that you can like gain an edge in some sort of industry or even a game with a friend yeah. by being resourceful, finding a, a area to be profitable or an arbitrage or something like that. Um, so you started detailing cars, uh, make some money from that, and then what led you to, you know, getting into being electric? Yeah, so I went to a vocational high school, uh, which basically means you go to school like any other high school, but you actually take on a trade too. So the school that I went to, you do home econ, home off, and learning a trade. The first year you go through, you kind of try all the shops to see what you, you know, want to do for the rest of your high school career. And I didn't want to be a nutrition. I just took the program, liked it. Uh, at the time, I was on the company. And they said, hey, you should try to do much school. It's a really good um, trade, and you can make a lot of money doing it. Right. That's a union. So I jumped in, loved it, and then learned that you can make a lot of money and learn you can do side jobs. And I just jumped into the electrical field right out of high school and just kept working with it. And I basically did side work. And if I didn't have side work, I was detailing cars. Like, I was just always trying to make money, always trying to save it. That's pretty much where I started. Now, I mean, there must have been a time where you kind of like sat and thought to yourself, like, this is going to allow me to have the time freedom that I want, the lifestyle that I want, you know, the cars that I want. Yeah. Is, was there like, I was so sick and like just tired of being tied to like kind of five of you old, even though we were working like six to two. And yeah. I was fortunate enough to get out, but I was tired of waking up at 4 a.m., driving to work, driving an hour and a half. And every day I'm just thinking, like, I'm wasting an hour and a half driving in, I'm 
it's a two hours driving home. Like there's three and a half hours of my day gone. Like, and if you're thinking time is money, like what else could I be doing with this time? So I was always into interested into business also to make money, but also to gain that time. Right. Because now you have the freedom to make your own schedule. If things come up or you have to move things around, you have the ability to have to answer to somebody. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs work a lot better that way yes. because time management is key. And you may have one day where you're super stressed out, flying all over the place, and the next day it's kind of easy or stay easy to pick up on. So I work well like that. Yeah. I think for an entrepreneur to be successful, they have to start like valuing your time uh, differently. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that separates someone is, is valuing those those moments and like set being able to set a schedule, hold yourself accountable to the schedule. Uh, because no one's going to come in there and shake you by the shoulders and say, hey, Pat, like, you didn't work this week. Right. If you take this whole week off, no one's going to be shaking your shoulders. Right. Uh, and so to be able to, to do that, you need to be able to, one, value, value your time enough and be able to set, set a dollar value to it. Like, hey, I need to make 50, 60, 70, 80, $200 an hour. Yeah. Uh, and then two is setting a schedule that you can hold yourself accountable to um, that's going to allow you all those things to get the job done, to have the time for you to take care of yourself, to be able to you know, have a personal life. If that's something you choose, something you choose not to have a personal life. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you can find yourself to do those things, you're going to be able to be responsible enough to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I think a lot of people have a tough time trying to find that balance. And that's something like very recently that I started to work on for myself. I feel like if you're running around like crazy or you're only worrying about your business, like there's other areas of your life that you're not paying attention to. And when you're not paying attention to those things, the thing you're working so hard on is just eventually going to fall out. Right? Like if you're not following up with your fitness, you're not following up with your relationship, your mindset, your business is going to fail. Same thing if you're not focused on your business and start, start, things start getting crazy, like you may not have the time to work out. Your, your relationship may fail because you're staying at work and you're trying to figure things out or you're coming home in a bad mood. Yeah. So I fully believe that it's very important to like spread your awareness around it. everything that's involved with your life. Yeah, and it, I mean, just saying that out loud or me listening to it, it sounds kind of overwhelming. Yeah. So, is there like a way that for you, you balance that out you know, between making fitness a priority, uh, having a relationship, you know, um, making sure that you're talking with your coworkers? Like, is like, what is what is that like for you? Yeah, and I think that I didn't figure this out until recently, and I wish that I had figured it out sooner because I think my business would have been a lot further along. Because uh, when I first got out, all I cared about was my business, and I was working like crazy, and I kind of fell out of shape. And within the last year, when I realized that I had to start jumping around, I realized I have all these different time buckets, and I need to spend time with my girlfriend. I need to spend time with my mindset. I need to spend time with work and fitness. Yeah. So I kind of separate my days, and now my kind of routine, I guess you would say, is I kind of eat into my morning. I don't let outside things kind of distract me or, or let my day start off more on foot. I like that. So I'll wake up around like five o'clock and I'll kind of check up on emails or I'll make breakfast and like ease into my day. And then I'll hit work say at seven. And then I'm conscious at seven that I'm going to start working. Maybe I'm going to take a couple breaks whenever the time is right, but I'm not going to work like crazy, right? And at the end of the work day, I try to finish everything by four o'clock and I hit the gym. I like going to the gym in the afternoon because yeah. I like my morning time and I think I get more energy. I hit the gym in the afternoon. Right. And then after I go to the gym, I'm at home. I'm not talking about work. I'm not worried about emails. Like, whatever problems are going to come up at 5 o'clock at night, 
those same problems are going to be there the next day. Absolutely. So there's no effort or point to put effort into trying to solve these problems yep. because the same problems are going to be there tomorrow. Right. Well, I think that brings back to the point that um, it's a definitely a cliched statement, but I think a lot of a lot of business coaches, mentors that I look up to, it's repeated advice, which is people underestimate what they can get done in five years and overestimate what they can get done in six months to a year, right? right. Uh, and I think that um, that if you take, if you kind of, if we expand on that, you look at, well, if I'm consistent from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m., Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, every, every week, every year, I'm most likely going to be successful and get the things done that I Done. Versus, if I am working my tail off from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and then I'm taking that extra email, I'm making right. sure I put out these fires before bed, and then you take away from all those other buckets you're talking about. Right. Well, yeah, you have a really full bucket. The other bucket is completely destroyed, and eventually it catches up to you. Yeah. And I think that's where people lose sight of that five-year window. Yeah. And then boom, they lose it. Uh, I have a big personal belief that like, whatever's happening in your life right now. Isn't what you did because of what you did yesterday. Yep. Like what's happening to you today? The deals that you're closing, uh, the the friends that you have, uh, whatever it is, or the troubles that you have, because of what you were or weren't doing six weeks ago, twelve weeks ago. Yeah, totally. Right. So yeah, whatever was happening in April, March is what you're seeing the effects of here in July. Yep. Um, and whatever you're doing now is what you're going to see the effects of at the end of summer, beginning of September, October. Um, so I think. If you can kind of switch your mindset like that, like sometimes when I'm getting down on myself, I'm like, dude, you had such a good week last week, whatever. It's like, you're not even feeling the effects of that. Yeah. Yet. So it's like, I'm always cautiously optimistic of like, hey, you did, you might have a bad day today, but you've been, you gotta, you've been stacking wins that are, you haven't even seen the fruits of your labor. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I, 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 I really, uh, I like that mindset. And I think that's a good schedule. Yeah. I think our generation has a big problem with, um, Gratification, and progress, and delayed gratification, and like people may think, like you just said, having a good week, right? And now they're like, all right, well, next week I can relax a little bit. Like you haven't even, like you just said, you haven't even seen the effects of you having that good week. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you take that as forward momentum and keep pushing forward? And that's the way that I always work. I honestly work better under stress because I get more done, but I give myself a short period of time to get things done. But the same thing goes where you know people make New Year's resolutions and they say. I'm going to be a new person this year. Yeah. They don't put a date to it. They don't put an exact thing that they want to work on. They're not saying, I want to loop. They're not being exact to their own work. They're not giving themselves any direction. Yeah. It's, um, this is a term for that we use in the trading world. It's called opium. And they're running off opium. It's like when you see this, this trade that you thought was there. Yep. And you keep, it go, it's going against you, right? You had a short and it just keeps going up. Yep. And it's, it's going against you. It's going against you. It's going against you. You keep telling yourself, what's going back? What's going back? Yeah. It's going back. Because you kind of probably got into that trade without a clear thesis of what's going on. Yeah. And you're just running on hope. Um, and it's kind of like you're lying to yourself in a way, right? Yeah. And I think that's what happens a lot of those times is, is you convince yourself, oh, well, I did this. It's okay to take the whole weekend off. Yeah. You know, or uh, you shouldn't be negotiating with yourself and trying to like, just because you had a win means that you can take a loss somewhere else. Yeah. And also not setting those clear defined roles and expectations, right? Uh, I think that's kind of something that you were hinting on is like our generation in particular, and when we say our generation, we're talking millennials probably mostly. So I guess that's twenty-four to thirty-eight probably yeah, yeah, yeah. somewhere in that range. There's a lot of people with super wishy-washy backgrounds. 
balance. Like I think that defines our generation more than anything. And it's something that I try to not be is wishy-washy, wishy-washy friends, wishy-washy business partners, wishy-washy uh, employees, yep. wishy-washy, and it really comes down to being wishy-washy with your own self. Being with so much gray area of like, oh, I want to get in shape. But like, what does that mean? Yeah, it's like, well, you really meant you wanted to lose 20 pounds and run a 6.30 mile, but you half-assed it and now you lost 5 pounds and you run a 7.45 mile and you're like, well, that's good enough. Yeah, because you're being wishy-washy. You never define what it is. Right. Yeah, like you and I were doing 75 hours at the same time, right? Yeah. And when I first started, I wrote down that I wanted to bench press 325, which I'd never done. Yeah. Which is not a huge goal, but I never got there. So it was big for me. Yeah. I wanted to deadlift 315. Yeah. And I accomplished both of those goals That's awesome. within a month of doing it, <laughs> which I never, like, I had this in me the whole time, but it's just because I never, you never wrote it out. out. Yeah, I wasn't working towards it. And I think also the fact that writing out every day helped too, oh, but of course. But yeah, I think that learning that lesson in fitness, I now do that in business. And I have a whiteboard in my, uh, in my office. Awesome. And I write down everything that I have to get accomplished for the whole week, right? Yep. So I'll check everything off. And I want to race it, I'll check everything off so I can see that I'm making forward progress. Yeah. And know that I'm like staying consistent, and I know that if I don't see half those things checked off by, by half a week, then I'm probably not, I'm not doing enough. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I just think it's such a valuable thing. I mean, it's something I'm not great at all the time, but I, I know that what I am doing is better. It's just being more calculated because like it's so easy to get distracted. Yeah. Whether it's Instagram or emails coming in about work or whatever it is, to just like lose sight of what it is that you're working on. And if you actually have written it down somewhere, it's easy to come back and like not have to go through the whole process in your head again. Oh, what is it that I'm trying to do? Like, what was my goal again? Did I say 225 or 235? Uh, who cares, right? You know, um, and I'm a big believer in that and writing down your goals too. Like when I first started my business, I remember I used to write down all my goals for the week, the month, and the year. Yeah. And I found old journals that I used to write in and look back and see like what I used to write down. Like I was worried about getting checks for five grand a week. Yeah, it's like a lot bigger, a lot scarier things going on now. But like looking back then, like my mindset was like, "Oh shit, I need to get this this week to like make payroll. Otherwise, yeah. I'm screwed." And to think that like if I wasn't writing those down, I probably wouldn't have like maybe manifested it and worked towards that right. goal. And that was huge in my success over the last four years of building the company. Yeah. I think that if I wasn't doing that, I wouldn't be where we are now. Yeah, I think that's something that can apply to their personal finance. Um, very easily, right? It's like writing it down, take a list of like what are your immediate expenses that you have, take a list of like what is the immediate thing you're saving for, and just like knowing that number, there's something about that. When you know that number, you throw it down on paper, and you're like, okay, well, how am I going to make sure that I'm hitting this target every month, every year, every week? Yeah, like being exact with your goals and your intentions of where you're trying to be will make you get to those goals so much faster. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's like it just trims the fat. You yeah, know I mean, like, I think if you have that intention anyways, you're eventually going to arrive there um, as long as you're willing to do the work and you take some action towards it. Yeah, but I think like whether, rather it being a five-year ordeal, like maybe you do it in like a year or two years because you've been more targeted and you're, you're quantifying what it needs to do. So that way when you're doing something that's not bringing you closer to that, you're quicker to be like, okay, this needs to get, yeah, get out of my routine. Yeah. Uh, I think people overestimate the time that it takes to get things done and to achieve goals. So something that I had done in the past and I should start doing again is I always overshot my goals. So say like that I knew that I needed to get, say, five grand. I put that I needed to get 10. 
right? So that way I'm aiming for a higher goal. So if I do end up falling short, I know that I'm still capable of reaching that goal that someone else would have set like a lower expectation for themselves. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's always balance. And like that comes back to like another thing that I always hear. Because as a coach and a trainer, you hear a lot of, of these types of things. And you actually find some of these, you know, uh, cliche statements are actually pretty true. So, like most people would say that guys over quantify what they can get done. Like we say goals too far <laughs> and most women tend to underestimate. Now we're generalizing here, but yep. on a whole, that's, I find it to be pretty true. Um, like most, a lot of women that I work with, both men, oh, I only, I'm just trying to do this. Like I just want to build a squat 175. And they, I'm like, well, where are you at? They're like, well, not 155. I'm like, well, like we do a normal yeah, one time. Yeah, we're probably gonna like kind of like you with the bench. Yeah, we're probably, we're probably gonna do that in, like the first couple months. Yeah. So is there maybe something more that you want to do? Um, because that way, if you like, if you set up something higher, and again, if they come up a little bit short, they well, they still destroy their old their old goal. Yeah, I think that's something as a trainer. Like I'm not a trainer, but I do employ people, right? So setting uh, higher expectations for my guys, I know that we need to be you know maybe a little lower than what I'm expecting for them to achieve, right? But I'm pushing these guys every day, or, or the people that work under me are pushing these guys every single day. Yeah. And our expectation is that things are going to get done in a certain amount of time. And they may be like, well, how is that going to happen? Yeah. Like, it's physically impossible for me to get this done. I'm setting the expectation high enough, and you don't even know what you're going to achieve. Yeah. Because if I didn't set that, you probably wouldn't be working as hard. Right. Yeah. Setting a high standard. Like, uh, just because when there's a high standard in the workplace, it's contagious. Yeah. And it's vice versa, right? There's, it can be a very contagious uh, thing when there's a low standard for workplace, right? Yeah. When, you know, mediocre is being accepted, when you see a full track barrel, like, next guy's going to get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, those are the things that really tick me. That's, yeah, uh, same for here. And um, I think that that's something that we've kind of ingrained in our guys, too, is I've told people, if you know something needs to get done, you should do it without being nice. Like, I'm never going to walk around here and see the back of the trash and walk by. I'm going to go about it. But if, if I'm walking around and I see people all not picking up on it, like it's getting contagious and you have to make it known that hey, you shouldn't be asked to do these little things you have to do. Yeah, it's setting the standard. It's like uh, it's like, you know, your mom being like, I shouldn't have to ask you to clean your room. Which yeah, I was I'll be the first to admit I was absolutely the worst about growing up. Um, but there's something something to be said that like when that's the standard of like, hey, if I see if I see a piece of trash on the ground, I'm gonna pick it up. You know, if I see that this is out of line, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the onus on myself. Um, because it also on a micro level too, like if you see that piece of trash and you're like, I should pick that up, and you're like, I'm not gonna pick that up, that's just a microcosm of what's of yeah. your your personality, right? At that point, whether it's just one day or not, you're making it you're putting a vote into the bucket of like I'm someone who ignores stuff and doesn't care, versus I'm the guy that's gonna go next to yeah. And you multiply that out, which guy's gonna live a better, more fruitful life? The guy who routinely doesn't care or the guy who goes next time. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Yeah, and my favorite quote has always been how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah, and that carries over to so many things in life and people um kind of miss that, I feel like. And I think that kind of goes back into like saying the four areas of your life, your your fitness, your business, your relationship, and your mindset. Yeah. If any of those things is falling off. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So yeah. if you're lacking one area, that other area you're not even aware of is going to start falling off. Absolutely. And I mean, that's why I thought you'd be a really great guest here, Pat. Like you're you're innovative in your space, right? Like um, electrician is not a new new job, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. it's been around for a long time now. Um, it's not 
it's not like there's uh, this is a brand new industry. But I think you're innovative in the way that you're you know, running your business. You're innovative in the way that you're managing the team and how you're handling being, you know, being CEO of your life and of your business. Um, so, you know, on kind of that topic, how are you making sure that your financial future is is going to be the same thing as you're taking advantage of your things, both at like at your company and how you're you know, investing in your financial future? I think from an early age and early on in business that I had always known that. It's going to take a long time for before it pays off, right? So yeah. I haven't taken money out of my company and like gone and bought crazy things. I have like only crazy expensive house. I don't go on crazy vacations. Like very, very, wow. yeah, I'm, I'm not like falling out, right? Yeah. Like, and I, not to say that I could be, but it wouldn't be the smart thing to do. And I know that consciously and it's something that I've ingrained and it's not something that all of a sudden overnight is going to change when I have the money. I think that I always have liked the saying, uh, always grateful, never satisfied. I'm grateful for what I have today, but I'm not going to be satisfied with it. Like I want to wake up every morning and try to get after it. And always have a purpose. So I think by continuously putting the money back into my business and continually letting it grow, I'm just investing in myself to move forward, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to, you know, sit back and and act like you know, I can just take a break. Yeah. I just want to keep moving forward. So when you're investing in your business, because I think that's. Um, it's something like a lot of business owners talk about, but they don't really delve into much, right? Yeah. So investing in your business for you, is it more equipment? Is it more employees? Is it more marketing? What is investing in your business like for you? I mean, obviously we started out four years ago, so uh, throughout the years, things have changed what we invest in, but I think early on, the biggest thing was that I was just working nonstop. Like I said, I didn't, I wasn't focusing on my relationship or these other areas of my life, and that's when I started to realize the business was falling apart. Obviously, starting a business out is extremely stressful. So it's a, it's a different time when you first start out as to when you first get it going. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think that by growing the business and understanding that you're going to make mistakes and you have to invest in the mistakes, like you can't get caught up in the fact that you lose money in the job or you spend time with somebody who the job doesn't end up going forward. Like I can't count how many times I've spent looking at jobs or estimating or like trying to get new clients and it doesn't work out. Yeah. But you never know what's going to stick. Sure. When I first started out, I used to just do cold calls and cold emails and I'd make a list of 50 people. And I'd call them until they told me to stop them all. <laughs> and you never know, like you could call 50 people and one guy hits it, right? And then that job could be you know, worth it for your company. Absolutely. And right. that's how you grow. You just have to be consistent and just be persistent and not care what people think. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of business owners don't understand, like especially um, in our generation. Everything is kind of handed to us early on. Have all this technology, it's so much easier to grow a business now than it was 50 years ago. Right. But this technology can also hurt you because you can sit there and be like, oh, all these guys have Lambos, Ferraris, like, and you know they're only 20 years old. Like, what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? It's, yeah. So you have to look at the technology differently. I feel like and use it to your advantage. And I think by recognizing it's going to take a lot of time, a lot of effort, and you may not you know get the payout as soon as you think. Right. Will make you last. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's like uh, being willing to put in the work without the reward. Yeah. You know, so like making those calls, even though maybe you don't close anyone today. Um, doing, going out to the, those projects to assess, to give an estimate, even though you know it's high likelihood you're not going to get the job. Yeah. Um, being willing to do that work is going to make sure that you're going to be there. It's all, all the, I, I don't know your industry inside out, but I imagine all it takes is one out of those 10 jobs 
to be well enough paying that you guys are good to work for a month, two months, three months. Yeah, like I said, being consistent, like our biggest client now, I started a relationship with in 2019, and I followed up with them and followed up and priced out jobs and helped them with things for a year before it even paid off. So I, I didn't get any checks from this company. I worked with them for a year, yeah. and now they're our biggest client, and we're doing multiple millions of dollars a year with them. Yeah. So if I wasn't consistent and I wasn't keeping my word and, and doing the right thing and helping people out, yeah. then that never would have paid off for me. Yeah. And that was a huge lesson that I had learned: is just be consistent, you keep showing up, and it's going to pay off. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, it's a great story. It's a prime example of like what it takes in business to succeed uh, over the course of time. You know, it's just yeah. it's willing to put in that work and being being your man at your word, like, hey, you know, I'm going to help you guys out, and putting the value on into into their their half the project before you even see any return on it. Yeah, uh, I think that's 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 a stand up job. Now, uh, as far as like personal personal wealth goes, like what's your what's your strategy to build your personal wealth going forward? Besides what's going on here. So before I started the electric company, I wanted to get into real estate, and I kind of had a different path. Like I was in the apprenticeship with the union, and you have to be in there for four years. Uh, I got my license early, my electrical license. I was working for a company and they were paying me the, the burning rate. So I got mad about it and I'm like, all right, I'll just keep doing it. And I basically was like, just felt trapped. I'm making good money, but I'm like, I could be doing so much more. I could be you know, getting into real estate right now. So mm-hmm. I up and quit my job with Oakland and have me where I wind up. And I'm like, I'm going to go start right into real estate because everyone makes money in real estate. That's the place to be. Yeah. Like, long term hold, you can just get renters and start making income. I thought it was a brilliant idea. Obviously, it is, but it takes money. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't have at the time. So I wanted to take my annuity fund out from the union. And they said, oh, you can't take it out unless you're laid off for three months. So basically quit my job, dropped out of school, couldn't go back. So I'm like, all right, I have to start the company. And I'm like, all right, well, now that I have my union money and it's not enough to go do what I was, I'm just going to start the electrical business. Hopefully it takes off and I'm going to find my way into all the real estate by building this electrical company. Okay. And that's still my long-term goal is to get into real estate, but I'm a big believer in focusing on one thing at a time mm-hmm. because I had experience, like like I said, working in the field, parking, family, yeah. and all these other things, and getting distracted. So my plan now is that I want to get my electrical company good to be self-sufficient and run by itself and cash flowing enough that I can step aside and open up a real estate venture nice. and, and start developing and start getting real estate deals and even building teams. And I'm actively doing that right now. Um, meeting with friends and business owners that have a like-minded mindset and hopefully going to start doing real estate deals together. That's awesome. And I, I'm a big team player, and I think that you can grow wealth a lot quicker with a team of people. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not one to take all the credit for something when everybody works for it. So I think that's huge to recognize. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important. Um, I, real estate is obviously a timeless venture, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Right. But if you bring more people into the deal... There's always more opportunity to grow it from uh, faster. Yeah, they, they may see something you don't see, or they may have money that you don't have, or they may have experience you don't have. So I, I value people and relationships much more than I value. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think if that's the approach you take, eventually the money's going to come. Yeah. You know, the, the deals are going to pop up for you. The opportunities are going to be there. Yeah. It's more so making sure that you're taking a thoughtful approach and you're, you know, it's, it's easy to get caught up in all the goals that you set for yourself and not prioritizing, you know, meeting someone else's needs. 
when I actually heard a great person, uh, presenter speak a couple months ago. And I know when something's quality because it will last with me without me really even having to think about it. Right? I'll like, find myself referencing it or thinking about it. And he said there's there's three levels of relationships and there's three levels that someone can be capable of in their relationship. So like level one relationship is like, um, I need something from you and that's about it. Or I take from you and that's about it. There's level two, which is like, I'm willing to help Pat if I know that it helps me. Yep. Right? That's a level two relationship. And you can have a good amount of friends that way and whatnot. Uh, and then level three is like, I'm going to help Pat because his needs are my needs. Yep. And, and also knowing, I think, a, a, a next step expanding on that is, well, Pat is just, I could, I could very well be Pat. Right? So if I help Pat, in a way, it's like helping myself. Yeah, and I, I can totally relate to that because I've had employees that have worked for me that had, had thought that they could run a company, right? And maybe they can, but it's a lot more work than people think. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't understand like how much work and effort and frustration and stress goes into it. So like if you're not prepared for that, that like, truth. Yeah, and you're not prepared to sit there and wait for it, like you're not gonna last. Like you have to be able to withstand the stress and be able to understand that things are gonna go wrong and it all goes into how you react to certain situations, right? And your question too about um, what I'm investing in now is exactly what you were just saying about relationships. So I have a business partner and He's awesome. We both split the company and we manage roles differently. And he's more of a people person. I feel like relationship side, he can take the time and talk to people and form relationships and he networks way more than I do and helps out people that he doesn't know if that's going to pay off in the long run, but he's just being a good guy. You yeah. never know what who's gonna who someone is gonna know or how they're gonna help you later on in life. Like, yeah. I'm more focused on investing in the, in the business and making sure it's lasting, getting new relationships contractors, clients, yeah. or he's more network-based, trying to get people to like, you know, help people out because they may help us in the future. And I think that the fact that we have that is something that a lot of companies don't have or don't recognize. And I know that that effort he puts into it is going to pay off. Yeah, I like that. So um, I wanted to, you know, this is a, a crypto podcast as well. So I wanted to get into a little bit of crypto talk. And I like bringing a lot of people up. I mean, I've had people with a wide array of crypto knowledge on here. Um, you know, a few few weeks ago, I spoke with Scott Nixon. Uh, I mean, he's been in VCs that have invested in crypto companies. He's done a lot of things like that. I mean, his or his knowledge of crypto is probably beyond what we could even get into on a podcast. Yeah, we're making sure that people can still understand. It. Yeah, uh, and then I you know I've had some people that have kind of lane crypto knowledge. I like to think that I sit somewhere in the middle there. Yeah, uh, where would you say your your knowledge is on like crypto? New kind of web projects, things like that. I'm not as in tune now as I was before. I was heavily into it in 2015, 16, okay. and I was extremely interested in XRP mm-hmm. because at the time they were talking about um, working with Visa. So I had seen that as a huge opportunity, and right. I actually invested uh, pretty heavily into it. And it was like fractions of a cent. Yeah, it shot all the way up to like a dollar thirty-three, and I cashed out and. It was a good thing I cashed out because there was a bunch <laughs> of regulations that were going on around that time. And right. I didn't pull out, it would have got screwed. And since then, it's gone up and down. But I just think the markets are extremely volatile. Like you've seen how much Bitcoin has jumped up and down. Yeah. And I personally don't know enough about Bitcoin to feel comfortable with all I want in there. Um, I would say I'm in the same kind of area as you where I understand the technology, I understand the 
value it or see the need for it, like every everyday people. You know? right. So I'm carefully investing and I'm putting money into it that I don't necessarily care if I lose. Right. And I'm just kind of um, just keeping it in there for long haul and see what happens. Yeah. Are there like when you say like people aren't necessarily taking advantage of it? So would you say that that's one of your main concerns that like the general investor or you know your blue collar worker thinks that crypto is a scam? Yeah, I mean like if you look at like what happened with like COVID, right, and like all these other like coins that just pop up out of nowhere, like people are just dumping all this money into it, they have no knowledge of it at all. So it's like, what does that do to the market, and how does it change like how things work? Like you could have you know, your life savings invested in something, and then all of a sudden overnight, like Wall Street bets put something up. The market's going crazy. You, yeah. you can't. You have no control over it. Yeah. At least, like with actual money, you can see like how the world uh, economy is changing and how you can kind of you can kind of qualify to see like if I should be investing this or not. Whereas crypto is still so new and so many people don't know about it that something could happen overnight. And you can't do anything about it. Yeah, I think it works both ways, right? Like, I think things can easily fail because of that, but I think it's also extremely fertile because of the same reason. Yeah, right. Where like something can get planted in there, and like like the node just rocket off, and you can make ten thousand percent of your money. Which, yeah, go find me any business, any you know, even when we're talking about investing in people. Go find a person who can give you ten thousand percent. Yeah, ten thousand percent. You won't be able to find. It's yeah. not gonna happen. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that's what's attractive to me is because like, like when I talk about being financially free, like I'm talking about. Being financially free to the point where you have changed your family's trajectory type of wealth, right? right? Being like, hey, Pat comes from a lineage of people who worked hard and did well, yada, 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 and then Pat came along, and then nothing was the same. Every generation after that, yeah. Was I think that's a, like a very common scenario for a lot of people our age, that, and that's why I work hard, is because my family works so hard. My grandfather worked hard, and like I was always taught to work hard and always do the right thing, and, and always look at opportunities and take advantage of them. And I think that my family worked extremely hard, but they didn't do necessarily enough with working hard. Exactly. They didn't get into the business side of it, and they didn't jump out into other things. They just wanted to be safe and secure and provide for their family, which there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that I realized from working in the field before I started my company, working with fifty. 60 year olds and they're just complaining about their lives or how miserable they are they're out of shape and I'm like I'm making great money but you know these guys don't really have the best life and I don't know if I want to live like that so I took the path of getting rich for sure and that's <laughs> kind of what I'm doing with my business is I'm investing back in my business and I'm making sure that we're going to be safe and I don't make moves that I know are going to hurt us yeah I'm very analytical with how we spend our money and when we hire people and how we get jobs yeah and I think that I don't feel comfortable enough in the crypto world to be doing that right now. And I think I learned a lesson early on where I, like you said, I got lucky with 10,000% return. Right. And that was my lesson, right? <laughs> and I'm happy that it worked out, but what's going to happen now if I do lose it all? You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, from my perspective, I, I was actually going to kind of talk about the same thing. And I think I, I got the same thing. I come from a lot of people who, who worked hard. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur. He owned his own business for right. a long time, a long while. Yeah, and our fathers knew each other, so yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. it's yeah, exactly. Uh, and you know, my grandfather on both sides, they they worked in mechanic. Uh, the other one was an engineer, uh, worked on, on different shops, different shops and assembly lines and all that. Uh, 
veterans. Uh, so, you know, backbones of what made this country what it is. Yeah. But where I think they they lacked was, and part of it's just being victims of their own generation, right? They didn't have the internet. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's huge. Can you imagine, like, trying to learn? Like, I can't imagine trying to learn the country now. Having, you know, oh, if I was just a gym owner, owner in, home, a gym owner in 1965, and I had to figure out everything without the internet, I mean, I don't know. I couldn't have been a trainer in 1965 because I would have had to finish college, which I didn't do. Yeah. Right? I would have had to finish college to achieve the amount of knowledge that I have today. Yeah. Which I got from watching a lot of YouTube videos and uh, meeting a lot of other trainers, some through the internet, uh, and, and networking that regard. I don't think that opportunity was there in 1965 or 1940, whatever. So part of it is, it's not their fault at all. Yep. But I think like the days of, of what people in their time did to achieve amazing amounts of wealth, which was, you know, working hard, you put a good percentage of your check every week into the index funds, uh, you make investments in small companies, blah, 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 one opportunity leads to another, and before you know it, you've assembled a massive amount of wealth. I think those days are gone. Right. I think if me and you just say, we're going to sit on our laurels, we're going to build a great business, and we're going to put all of our money in index funds, and over time, the S&P only goes up. I think that's not. I really personally do. Uh, or at least getting generational wealth that way is over. Yeah, totally. And I think something like crypto presents the opportunity where it is so personal, bro. It might only take one out of 50 investments for you to change your life. Yep. Uh, and not to say that you shouldn't keep doing all those other things, but one out of 50 investments might absolutely change your life. But it is going to be like buying um, Google in 1998. It is going to be like, you know, investing in Ford in 1929. Yeah. Um, I, I think those opportunities are in there, and those opportunities are only going to come uh, if you're actually shooting buckets. Yeah. Right. And I'm heavy into dollar cost averaging with crypto, and not to say that I don't invest in crypto, it's just that I'm not going to invest. You're not putting all your eggs in the basket. Yeah. Like I'm putting it in there, like I said, dollar cost averaging. I'm putting money in there that I'm not going to take out, right? I'm hoping that's going to go up. I'm checking up on it daily. And in the event that does go up, maybe I would cash out. But I'm not, like I said, dumping my life savings in there and hoping to choose the 10000 It's kind of whatever happens, happens. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think, but that's, again, like back, if we go, if we jump back again to the, like, early parts of, of, you know, stock market in this country and securities trading and yeah. all that stuff, the people who ultimately grew the most wealth were doing the same thing. They're, they're paying their bills. They're, you know, uh, paying for their family. Working hard wherever their job was, a lot of people worked with their hands back then, or whatever it was. Yeah, and they were putting a chunk of whatever it is, five, ten, whatever percent they could manage into stuff that maybe was going to grow their money without them having to be there, right? Do things. And I think crypto is 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 as far as I'm concerned, the next level of doing that. I think it's hard to have. No one's going to have the foresight. And if anyone is telling you right now, like, hey, these are the only projects that you can invest in because they're the only ones that are going to be around. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah. So, I mean, I know there's Bitcoin purists out there and stuff like that. And the way regulation looks right now, I don't think things like Bitcoin and Ethereum are going to be the security. I think they're going to be their own thing. Yeah. So, I do think you can confidently put money into those. And this is not financial advice by any stretch, but I think you can confidently, I'm putting my money confidently in those at least, knowing that the chances are greater than not that I'm going to get a return on those. In a five to ten year window. Yeah. If you have a twenty year window, probably even higher. Yeah. Um, so I think for a 
a layman investor, like to be skeptical is good. Yeah. Because you need to be skeptical um, so that you don't be that guy that puts, you know, that sees Elon going on SNL next Saturday and dumps their whole, you know, past six months of paychecks into Dogecoin thinking they're going to double their yeah. money and get up. And that's what's happening too. Like you hear on the news, like how much of like, that's changing every day, right? And if something crazy happens, like with the Doge thing, like all these outside people start hearing about it and they know nothing about it. And they're just dumping this money into it, hoping it's going to go up. And they're getting it into it at like the max level, and then it just tanks. Yeah. And now these people are like, oh shit, I got to pull my money up. Yeah. And that's what I don't like about it is that when people get involved, that they shouldn't be getting involved, right? So it's like a scary time where I think people are also losing trust in the government and what's going on in America. Yeah. But the thing that I like about crypto is that people have the opportunity to like do their own research and look into all these different forms and find what is good for them. And they can invest in whatever they want. And if it is a security and you can trade it, you can use it as money. It's a lot different than a stock. Like you can't take a stock and go buy something. Well, which I think is cool. I'm a fan of opportunity. And like if we get back to what made America great, um, America was great because you could be born here and you're an entitled person and you you refuse to work hard and you just you think that everything's handed to you. And you would yeah. skate by and maybe you live a decent life, whatever, whatever. But then that, you know, someone can come in and get the same job. They come from overseas. They decide that, hey, I'm going to work here. They have amazing work ethic. They save, they invest. And they have the opportunity to turn, to be that guy, to be that guy that changes their, their, their financial future of all the generations to come. You know, and that's what's made great. Now, those opportunities are getting slimmer and slimmer, you know, the, the Shit, like how many of our friends, kids our age, you know, I'm 27 years old, 26, 26. How many of them own houses, own real estate? Yeah, yeah it's it's very rare. Really, how many of them own a car, own, you know, any sort of business, a side project? It's, it's lower and lower and lower and lower. Right. And that's not just America, it's across the world. But if you look at crypto, that opportunity that used to be in what we're kind of talking and describing about is actually kind of there. Yeah. Uh, whereas, some people can look at it and be like, well, a lot of people get scammed out and blah, 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 and it's easy to throw shade at it. And I, I hear people in the workplace talking about it a lot. I went out, you know, I was out the other night, and some guys like, you know, we're talking about real estate and how coming down. And it's like, well, it's better than crypto. You know, that's that's down a lot. But it's like, no shit, buddy. Like, it is. It's extremely volatile. And then someone who put in $100 in Bitcoin five years ago was also up several hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, maybe they're down. Acutely, but overall, they're up big. Yeah. And there's, for someone who's not lazy and is going to research and look into these things and, uh, you know, read up on it and take advice and actually learn the intrinsic technology. Yeah. There's a high likelihood that I think they're going to make some savvy investments that are going to pay off huge. Yeah. Um, so to just look at it and say, like, well, the guy in 1999 put his whole life savings into Yahoo. Progress the shit out of it now. Yeah. That shouldn't be a reason for you to take away from the guy who actually put all his money into Google and is and retired five to ten years later. Yeah. Which is exactly why I like the dollar cash averaging method. Because if you don't if you're putting money into it that you don't care about and you're jumping in whenever you think is appropriate, no one knows like the limits of where this is gonna go. So if you're getting into it and dollar cost averaging is getting into it either in an up or down market and the intent that it's going to go up in the future, right? So I think that that's a smart play and that's what I do and, and not painful this. Yeah. 
Well, <laughs> so for you, like, what makes it like? Because I'd like to hear from your perspective. What makes a certain coin or project or an NFT? Like, what makes something attractive to you in the first place? I think if there's like a direct use for it, and that's why I was digging into XRP when they first came up there talking about how people was going to use that. Mm-hmm. I think that that would have been a huge opportunity um, to get in on, and that's why I invested in it. But what the other coins like. I may not necessarily know, you know every use for every coin that I'm getting, but I know that it's moving in an upward direction. There may, there may be something coming out, or it may change the platform, or it may be useful later on. Mm-hmm. So investing in these coins with a small amount of money, dollar cost averaging, I know that I'm making a safe bet. It could pay off, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I think use case is really important, and I think that's why you see a lot of coins nowadays that are pumping up schemes. Yep. I mean, yeah, the lack of regulation should be scary or something. Should be scary concerning to most people, right? Uh, you know, uh, recently, I don't know how, how much you can keep up the markets, but we had like three hours capital. You hear about this? So three hours capital was like, uh, I don't know if we call it a venture capital fund. I think it was a venture capital fund, um, or at least a hedge fund in the crypto world. And, you know, they were making huge investments. They were part of the Luna collapse. They had over a billion dollars of invested in Luna. And they recently took a $650 million loan from Voyager. It's an unsecured loan, meaning there's no assets from three hours capital to back up that loan in the worst case scenario. And we saw worst case scenario, like, um, uh, you know, kind of unwrap itself recently. So with regulation, you would think that, like, me and you can't go get a $650 million unsecured loan. We can't get a $6 million unsecured loan. We can get a $600,000 unsecured loan. But yet, these guys were able to get a six hundred fifty million dollars secured loan. Uh, now they're, you know, supposedly I don't know where we stand today, but I don't think anyone's seen them recently. Um, you know, these guys are missing a ton of money. It's led to collapsing the market a bit. So that's an area where some form of regulation is good, where yeah. it it vets. It's um, a great term for it, but you know, bad characters, bad players, essentially in the marketplace. And make sure that they don't have the opportunity to, to ruin it for everybody else. Yep. So, but that's pump. Now, for those who are willing to accept that level of risk and still invest, there's greater return. Higher risk, higher return. It's, it's just always how it works. It's basic economics. Economics. Just like in 2015, investing in Bitcoin, the risk was enormous, right? Um, you know, and people are like, oh, well, you know, they'll say some reason to take away from it or whatnot. They got lucky, whatever. No, they just accepted a high amount of risk, right? The guy who bought a bunch of Bitcoin and bought a pizza with it. Like that guy had accepted a ton of risk. Yeah. And but he, he was like, I see the use cause, I see a reason for it, and I'm investing it. Can't imagine putting my savings in it at the time. Yeah. Uh, and it paid off. But there was high risk involved, and that means there's also a chance of a high return. And as we start, so people can wait. They can wait for that risk to start coming down. We're definitely down. Yeah, right? I mean, if we pulled anyone, so like if we just took like a late, like a good investor, someone who is informed on the stock market, maybe slightly informed in crypto, and said, do you think Bitcoin or Ethereum will go to zero in the next 10 years? I would imagine it's a highlight that they say no. So I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if we can accept that, and then we say, so that means our level of risk is definitely substantially down. Now, by the time that risk gets to, do you think Solana, Cardano will go to zero? And almost everyone's saying no. 
address is the return now is down to here. Yep. And by the time where you know all institutions are in, there's there's funds that uh, there's indexes in the regular marketplace that have a bunch of crypto in the United States. We have that level of regulation to get rid of the bad players. I mean, your return is now here. Yep. So it's like you can all we can all everyone investor can wait for it to get here. It's just like your return is now this. Yeah. Um, so I'm from the mind of, mindset of like I want to be that guy that. It's that level of generational wealth that changes things that, you know, for a coin turn has fuck you money. Yeah. Then you need to be able to willing to accept this more, much more risk to gain this much more. Yeah. Uh, and I can do other things in my life to offset that risk by having a business, yeah. by, you know, being smart about who I invest in, how I invest in myself. But that's kind of the perspective I take of looking at that. Yeah. And a lot of the guys that are making a lot of money right now, do have businesses that they do have real estate and they have equity, I think that's equity equity in different businesses or, or different assets they can pull equity out of and they may be putting this fuck you money into the, stuff, uh, into the stocks or into crypto and they may be getting luckier they may be getting hurt and yeah like that could elevate their luck their wealth or it could totally decrease it yeah that, well i think that's a great point and that's actually that kind of brings me back to one of my original points of why i decided to start this podcast is i wanted to raise awareness because when I we're gonna keep flashing back because this is how I this is how I work. So we flash back, right, when you know America first gets settled and you know there's gold miners and stuff like that. And essentially what happens, right, is like the rich people buy up all the gold and they convince people that, oh you don't need gold, you need this instead. And they take the gold, oh you don't need gold, you need this instead. And like slowly like the rich like the rich wealthy people have the gold, they seize the opportunity and they trick or they deceive the general public into not realizing what stands in front of them so that they can be they can be rich. Yep. And then we go into, you know, the internet age and whatever it is, they're tricking people that, oh, you know, they got tricks all of a sudden get away from the gold standard, but that's a whole other topic. Yeah. But you know, oh you don't need to invest in these original companies, you know, the internet bubble, Y2K, yada 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 yada, you know, the internet's just a, a, a phase, it's not gonna last. And so a lot of people get scared off and don't Money and then stay poor. Yeah, and I think crypto is the next thing. Where in my eyes, I it's hard to say where it's going to go or exactly what's going to be. Yeah, no one knows. Yeah, it's the future. Yeah, there's there it's the future in some way or regard. If you're not, if you're not like recognizing it or even realizing it or thinking about it, then you're not understanding. Exactly, and I don't want people because the here's the thing: the rich can tolerate that risk that I was just talking about. They, how do they offset that risk? Well, they offset that risk by having a huge amount of money that when you have $20 million in the bank, risking $200,000 doesn't change your life. Yeah. When you have $250,000 in the bank, risking $200,000 changes your life. Yeah. So because of that, I think that scares the, the people who don't have as much wealth, whether you're younger, you come from tougher financial circumstances, uh, it, it, it sways it sways them away from doing the those risk. But what I don't want is when we're we're entering into that next that next age of digital digital a digital marketplace, a digital economy. I don't want just these early stories of a lunar collapse or whatever it is to scare off those people who I think, you know, ultimately what I what I think should happen is wealth should get dispersed. And that's one of the biggest problems we have in the world nowadays yeah. is there's an unequal balance of wealth. Now, so, so as much as any time in our modern world, 
crypto has the ability to change that. But if we let scary stories and uh, being afraid of risk and all this stuff keep those people out of the marketplace, then everything's just going to repeat itself. And we're going to have the same exact problems that we have today. And if you go back to like Bitcoin's original white paper, like Satoshi made it because he realized that our financial system was corrupt, it was imbalanced, and he was taking initiatives to change that. And if we just sit back and just say, hey, crypto's scary, I'm not going to put my money into it, these rich people can afford to take risks, I can't afford to take those, then we're going to end up in the exact same situation that we're currently in, yeah. where all the wealthy have all the money, because they have all the money. Which is definitely what's happening, too, with like the media and the government pushing the fact that like it's not safe to invest in it. When when it first came out, they weren't involved in it at all. And that's when everyone was making all these massive gains. Yeah. When they weren't talking about it, they weren't talking negatively about it. Yeah. And so what do they do? They come in and they create a lot of what we call in the crypto community fun, right? They create a lot of fear mm-hmm. and utter dis- despair. Uh, they want to pull the rug out over people so that way you think, okay, there was an opportunity here, but the opportunity is not there anymore. And what did they do? The so called, what we call crypto whales, come in and they buy up all those assets. And now, once they own the majority share, they'll let the, the common investor go make the rich. Yeah. And we're going to end up repeating history the exact same way unless more people like myself and you and you know all the other guests that I've had on here and listeners go out and tell people that. You need to be thinking about a financial future in some form or fashion and taking that risk so that way, you know, that we can shift the wealth disbursement in this country and being more even. So that way, you know, more more people can live a good, high quality life. Because if more people live a high quality life, that doesn't take away from you. You know, that I think that's kind of what my overarching thing is too. Yeah. It's like just because Pat succeeds in business doesn't mean that there's less business. For wicked fitness out of the marketplace. Yeah. Um, I would say actually probably the opposite is true. Yeah, that's kind of why, like going back to why I like working with people is to get to the goal faster, more help, and, and creative minds getting together to a common goal is going to get you quicker there when you push yourself. Right? Yeah. And knowledge is power, and knowing all these things and knowing that you have people to rely on to accomplish your goal is huge in business and even in crypto. So, I'm happy that you are doing the podcast and bring awareness to it because a lot of people don't. And, um, you know, I'm not as in tune as I used to be with it, but I'm definitely realizing the importance of it. And I definitely realize that it's, it's the next thing and it's, it's still valid and relevant with our day lives. Well, and I can see too that, like, you know, I've been there before too because I've had times like that too where I've been like, yeah, I know crypto is important. I know it's valuable, but like, I need to focus on. My business right now needs my full attention. That was my problem too. So like when I was into it, uh, I, I didn't own the company at the time. So um, I'll admit that I, I was looking at the stock markets, looking at crypto, looking at all the news during work, right? But I'm so busy now with my day to day and I'm focusing on my business that I don't have that same time that I used to have. I used to take advantage of yeah. to really like do my research and invest in it because I was making trades while I was at work. <laughs> I can't. My business would fail if I'm sitting here like watching the markets all yeah. day long, right? Or keeping up with the news because you know how quick it moves and how ever changing it is. It's yeah. just it's impossible to keep up with. Yeah, I mean if you're short term investing in crypto, it's it's almost a full time job. Oh, if you have a sizable amount. Yeah. Um so I would agree with that point. So like I understand from the outside looking in that but that's that's smart of you to look at that and say, hey, I'm focused so much on my business and I need to change to a more long term strategy. Yeah, on how I'm looking at this. But you're still nonetheless, you know the opportunities there. You're at least growing you're shooting some loops into the into the yeah. world, 
rather than just totally neglect. I'm huge, like I said, I'm huge into equity, and I think it's amazing. And I'm not too much one that I grew a company from zero to four million in four years yeah. with literally no like capital. Like, I, didn't, I literally took sixteen grand from my I didn't start the business with that. I got that like three months in. I didn't use it to pay myself. I put it right back into the business. Mm-hmm. Bought tools, bought vans, trucks, everything. And now that we are continuously growing, like we've consistently doubled every year for the last four years. Yeah. So knowing that my business is going to be worth something and I'm going to have equity in it, I could potentially sell shares of my company later on. Like I am building wealth. I'm investing in the business. I'm investing in myself that I can later take that money and do something that I want to do. Yeah, I yeah, I think I think that's a, a beautiful thing. Um, obviously, it says something because you don't just fucking accidentally do that and double your business over here. It takes a lot of dedication, hard work. Yeah. So when when you are deciding to focus in on that, to still be yeah, I think savvy enough to to, to do some long term investing is is commendable, and that's what's really like that's what I'm trying to do. I don't think everyone needs to drop what they're doing and just say, hey, let me focus all on crypto, but maybe let me start you know waking up to the fact. This is probably where things are going. Yeah. And if you do have a business like as, you know, it's very viable that in the next few years you might be using some smart contracts oh, totally to get jobs done. Yeah. And if you're informed of that, I mean you could be the guy that a lot of these companies start going to because they're like, well, Pat, he deals with smart contracts, he gets jobs done faster, he makes sure my guys are paid out faster, yeah, whatever it is. Um so I don't think that hurts either. Yeah, like we do electronic payments all the time, not to say that it's with crypto, but it's going in that direction. You see with banks now, like some short bank around here has virtual tellers everywhere. Like they're getting yeah. rid of people to be in these banks. Like you go to a bank now and you're talking to the screen. So like if banks around here are doing that, like what's gonna happen to paper money in the future? It's like it's definitely phasing out. People don't like carrying that around. Everyone's got the iPhone, Apple wallet, you know, no one's even carrying debit card. So keep realizing that it is changing and recognizing that things are moving, it's just smart right now to really consider. I think it's, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I think it helps you become a more uh, innovative business owner to at least be informed on it and, and be able to take advantage of it. Because if you look, like, if we go to, like, you know, who was the first guy who probably started taking Visa, Visa transactions for his life? I'm sure that guy probably did better than all the guys who were yeah, checks. Yeah. So if you're at the forefront, you're going to be one of those guys. By the way, Wicked Fitness does accept crypto. Yeah. Uh, if you're willing to be one of those guys who accepts payment in crypto and you can start doing more transactions with less fees and less middlemen, I don't think that hurts your business. Yeah. Um, so as far as, you know, staying on the topic of investments, I know you're a big personal development guy, but yourself, what would you say has been the best personal investment in yourself that you've ever made? I think just knowing that things are going to take time, and I, I always invested in myself as far as like reading books and networking. Um, I was heavily into Grant Cardone very early on, and I used to go to his uh, 10x conferences. Okay. So I flew to one in Miami, I flew to one in Vegas. Um, That's now, cool. Yeah, and that was that paid off huge. Like every year, he had 10, 15 speakers talk, and they would hit every different point. So going back to like the four buckets. I picked that up from my mentor, Sean Whalen. Okay. I'm in Sean's uh, Lion's Den, which is, Sean Whalen owns Lion's Not Cheap. He mm-hmm. has a, a Lion's Den, which is a networking platform. He's got his own app on there. And I think there's 4,000 to 7,000 members on there now. And basically, it's like a Facebook, but just for business owners and people that want to be entrepreneurs. Right? And the four buckets came from Sean. It's the core four. So uh, power, passion, purpose, production. 
So power is your fitness and working out. Passion is your relationships. Um, production will be business and um, power, passion, purpose. Production is uh, purpose will be your mindset. Okay. So making sure that you need to follow those four four and understanding that those four four are going to be the core to your success is very important. Yeah. And I read Sean's book, How to Get Shit Done. And that's when I started turning things around. Like I read the book. It's a really small book. It's even a page number. <laughs> you can finish it in like two hours. And that was like, sometimes those are the best books. Yeah, I totally agree. That was probably one of my favorite books that I've read. And when it really like clicked with my mind and I went into like overdrive, like I was reaching out to people. I was like focusing on my fitness, focusing on my relationship. And ever since I read that book, my business has grown tremendously. My fitness has been a lot better. Like I'm in the best shape of my life. I feel healthy. I like I look good and I think that that graduate, graduates over to my business and my relationship and my mindset yeah. and I don't look at things like oh poor me like I'm very grateful to be where I am but I'm recognizing that I'm not satisfied with where I am that's awesome I love that so how do you feel like your fitness benefits you outside of, outside of the gym you know besides just being better at working out like, how do you feel like that gives you an I think by because working out dedicating a whole bucket to it John Wellens, pretty wealthy guy. He's a huge company. He's done some big things. Yeah, and he says that should be a whole bucket of your life. So, yeah, that's something. Yeah, I mean, I think if you are not recognizing that you need to focus on those four areas and you're just focusing on one, like like I said, you're, other areas of your life are going to start to fall apart. So, with fitness, fitness helps me in my business because I'm doing hard shit every day and I'm doing hard work. I'm doing hard things. If you're not getting uncomfortable, you're never going to grow. Like, there's no growth without discomfort. So you need to get uncomfortable. You need to understand that being uncomfortable is only going to allow you to grow quicker and adapt to things. I mean, that's what being a business owner is. You need to adapt. Like, yeah. Yeah. The last four years, I went through a partnership dispute. I had to buy my ex-partner out. We went through COVID. We went through like not having work, not being able to work. And how do we stay in business? We adapted. We, we molded all these different things to keep things going. Like work was shut down in Boston, but we kept doing residential work in the suburbs. Yeah. Like, you have to be able to adapt and overcome, just yeah. as if you would in a workout. You may be working out so hard that you get sick throwing up. Like, <laughs> don't throw in the towel and go home. Like, take a minute, relax, go back to it. You know? Yeah, I think uh, Matt Fraser has a great saying, and something again. I know something's valuable because it sticks with me without me even thinking about it. I just gradually realize that I'm able to pull it back. Uh, he said, like. His goal was always to get to the point where he was just comfortable being uncomfortable. Yep. Right? Like when he hit that level of like, okay, with this movement, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. Or this style of workout, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. Like you can apply that to all areas of your life. Um, you know, like part of being a business owner or any, I'm just focus on being a business owner. Is, are you comfortable having uncomfortable conversations? Oh, yeah. The more you're willing to have those uncomfortable conversations, the better off you're going to be. The more you shy away from those uncomfortable conversations, the less successful your company's going to be. Whether it's because you guys uh, didn't perform well uh, with a company, or in my case, you know, I underperformed with a client, yeah. or I was late, and I got to own that shit. And I got it's not a fun conversation to have to say, "Hey, I came up short. You know, I didn't show up. To, I didn't show up one time, or you know, I think today's workout was kind of kind of crappy or whatnot. We didn't we missed the mark, or I had to do too much weight, or I didn't have to do." You gotta own that. Yeah, but the more I'm willing to do that and hold myself accountable, and I think people pick up on that, they appreciate that, and you're gonna grow more from it. 
right? Yeah, that's, that, that, that's comfort creates growth. Yeah, I mean, owning your shit and being true to anyone you work with, including yourself, translates to all four areas. Like, if you're lying to yourself when you do your business, like, like I keep saying, how you do one thing, how you do everything. So if you're lying to yourself, even a lot of other people, if you're not holding your word to yourself, or you're not going to hold your word to other people, and that's huge because you start doing that, it will start to grow like disease in other areas of your life. You need to be able to do one thing, how you do everything, and realize that if you don't do that, things are going to start to fall apart. Yeah. yeah. And your whole world will start to collapse. Yeah. And it sounds drastic and, and over the top, but if you don't live like that, you're, you're never going to have to worry about it. Like, I literally feel like I kind of live my life like someone's following the video camera. And like, <laughs> if you do something wrong, everyone's going to know. Yeah. That, that's it. I mean, I think it's a great point. That's probably, probably a good one for end us, to end us on here is, uh, you know, it's it is it's not that serious, but at the same time it is that serious. Um, you know, if you never want to have to worry about your world imploding on you and all this other stuff, which it's inevitable everyone's gonna come across hard times. Yeah, but if you just remember that the decisions that you make in the dark will always come to light, uh, I think you're gonna be it's gonna help you make the right decisions and move forward and you know, if you're investing in yourself in the buckets and being honest with yourself. Being willing to go into those uncomfortable areas, whether it's fitness, business, or relationships, you're going to find your way on the right path. Yeah. And even like you said, like how does fitness translate over your business? Like getting uncomfortable, working out, and putting full effort into it is only going to gravitate toward being more confident with business and talking to people, right? And being confident in every area of your life. Yeah. And I mean, I see it all the time. You know, I, that's why, that's why I became here, right? It's like, I do it selfishly, right? We, we, all, every trainer, no matter what they tell you, you're doing it selfishly because they like to one know that, hey, I helped this person do that. And it's like, it's not that I, oh, like, I didn't, I didn't lift the weight for you. Yeah. But I told you that you need to lift weights. Yeah. And I told you how to lift weights. And I told you what weights to lift. Yeah. And you wouldn't did it. And then what happens is like, I've even seen it with you. Like, I saw you do 75 hard and I've seen you go to my gym and I, you go to another gym as well and you pushed yourself. And I've seen it translate. I'm like, wow, that's doing things that I don't think he was doing prior to doing that. Oh, 100%. Uh, and I'll see with other clients, right? They lose that weight and now they have a new relationship. Or they have, they're like, they're like, yeah, you know what? I'm thinking about quitting my job and starting a side project. Or I'm starting a side project while I'm out of the work. It's like that confidence that they gained from believing in themselves, from trial and error in the gym, translated into their lives. For me, that's the ultimate satisfaction, the ultimate pat on the back. As a trainer, is that like I've enabled this person to believe in themselves more, so that they can go on and change themselves? It's the real yeah. effect. You know, it's what we talk about all the time. If, if that's what I can do to one person, and then they go and do that to someone else, and they pass on that gift to another person, that has they pass it on to another person. That's how we really that's our change. Yeah, always doing the right thing and looking out for other people. Like you said earlier about how you don't recognize like the effort they're putting in, how how it pays off later on. Yeah, and like. The, the situation I'm in with my business right now, like we're killing it, we're booming, we're busy. And I think that that is totally relevant to the fact that I did 75 hard two months ago. You know, and like the fact that I was working out and every single day, twice a day, reading, making the time to accomplish those things. My business wasn't failing, it was doing better. So yeah. like I realized that by slowing down and, and focusing on other areas of my life, my business flourished. And I've taken those same principles and continue to do it. I may not work out twice a day anymore, but I'm still doing some of the same things I used to do. Yeah. I feel that when I do 75 hours the second time, like the same thing is going to happen. It's going to connect. I think 
like to just speak specifically on it. It's like a manufactured forced way to gain momentum. Yep. Like you can gain momentum a lot of ways, but Andrew Fasella just said like, all right, <laughs> here is a way where I can guarantee you're going to gain momentum. Yeah. Um, so if you are in the position, you know, anyone listening, if you're in one of those positions where you feel like, damn, like, I just have no momentum in my life right now, like, any of those topics that we're talking about, try something like a 75 hard because it's manufactured momentum. Yeah, like, do hard shit and you're going to get good results. Yeah, you just, yeah, you're going to manufacture that momentum and then you can use that however you want. You know, you can use it into any aspect of your life that you want once you've done it, but you got to earn that momentum. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a lot for you guys to listen in on. Um, you can find me at Ruda on Instagram, R-U-U-D-D-A-A-A underscore. Uh, you can obviously find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, YouTube. Be sure, be sure to share this out with your friends. Pat, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, my Instagram is daily underscore Pat 96. And my last name is D-A-L-Y. Instagram. Company is Postal Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, if you if you want to jam with myself or Pat on these topics, you know, both of us are more than happy to answer the uh, you know, uh, chat with any listeners about anything we talked about. Uh, yeah, if you enjoyed this, please please pass it on. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Pat. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.